welcome to all of you joining us here and those online. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Believe it or not, this is actually my very first time preaching at the Apple Valley campus and live online. So uh, this, yes. Just hope you do that after it's all over, but uh, what an honor. Thank you, uh, Pastor Rob, for this honor. Uh, Why don't I go ahead and introduce myself. My name is Pastor Justin Mack. I have been married to the amazing Tara Mack uh, for almost six years. She is a tiny little thing, but a rock star in my eyes. She's awesome. Uh, One year ago this Thursday, we had our first little baby daughter, Amelia Joy Mack. Um, Exceeded all expectations I've ever had about being a father and a dad. And I love her to death. And on that day, as I've said before, that is the day that I officially became Pastor Mac Daddy. How cool is that? That's awesome. I recognize I'm not the coolest pastor on staff because I don't have this awesome Australian accent. I can't even fake it. Um, I don't wear colorful skinny jeans, anything like that. But I've got the coolest name locked down, I'm pretty sure about that. So... uh, Uh, At church here, I oversee life groups and global project, or what we call missions, and oversee our adult ministries, but today I get to uh, wrap up our three-week series called Marvel, where each week we've looked at a different attribute or characteristic of God that has caused us to just sit back and marvel at how great God is. Uh, Week one, we uh, looked at God's omnipotence, his limitless power. Week two, we looked at his omniscience, his infinite knowledge, and today we're looking at God's omnipresence. His ability to be everywhere at the same time. Scripture teaches us that God is fully present everywhere at the same time. It's impossible for us to comprehend, but somehow God is fully present everywhere as if he were nowhere else at the same time. Perhaps omnipresence is the hardest to uh, relate to because none of us have anything to compare it to. All of us have a level of power and know somebody more powerful than us, and so then we elevate God far beyond that individual. All of us have a limit of knowledge or wisdom, and we know people that are more knowledgeable, more wise than us, and so then we just elevate God far beyond that. But none of us have the ability to be in more than one place at the same time, although many of us forget it when we're scheduling things. We can't be at more than one place at the same time. It is a mystery. There's no analogy or illustration that can adequately describe any characteristic of God, let alone his omnipresence, but there are some that I think kind of help us move in the right direction. Think of the air that we breathe. We cannot live without the air that we so often ignore and forget that we're breathing. It's odorless, it's tasteless for the most part, you can't even see it unless there's pollution, but we need it for our very existence. We've never lived a moment without air. Unless we've jumped into a pool for a minute or two, and we come up and we realize we need air. In Colossians 3.17, it says that God existed before anything else, and he holds all of creation together. We've never lived a moment without God's presence. And if we were to live for a moment, and God were to take his hand away, we would cease to exist. Or consider the satellite signals, the cell signals, the radio signals, the wireless internet connections that are coursing through this air. I read this week that in any open space, there's many as 10,000 signals coursing through the air, and we're not aware of it unless our cell phones are plugged in, connected, logged on, whatever. We aren't aren't even aware of it unless we are tuned into that frequency. 
um, our business administrator added some really cool pressure to me this week by telling me that at any given moment, there's 2,000 people joining us online, so what's up, 2,000 people? Um, <laughs> all at the same time, 10 different states, as many as six different countries outside of Minnesota and Wisconsin, for some reason, Texas loves River Valley Church, so what's up, y'all, in Texas? <laughs> But likewise, God is present everywhere, and unless we are tuned into his frequency, unless we are aware, um, we don't even know that he is present. The first time I really had this understanding or realization of God's omnipresence, and I wasn't able to fully comprehend it, but I got a little bit personal experience with it, was on my first missions trip. I went to uh, Trinidad and Tobago, West Indies. It was actually my second missions trip, but I wandered away within the parameters that our team leader had given us, and I stumbled upon a lady that was preparing us breakfast. She didn't see me, and I just sat kind of off in the distance, and I listened to her for a while just sing these worship songs to God, and it was just absolutely beautiful. She had a beautiful voice. But then she started to sing a song that we had just sung a couple days earlier at our home church in Arizona. And it was at that moment that I realized that she was singing to the exact same God that I love and that I worship across many miles, across different cultures, God was present with her just like he was present with me a couple days ago in my home church. As a missions pastor, I've been to 50 countries and six six different continents. And in every one of those uh, countries and in every one of those continents, I've felt God's presence in a very powerful, real way. I cannot comprehend it, but I realize this, that God is God and I am not. And if God is God and I am not, then there are going to be things, there's going to be characteristic attributes of God that I will never comprehend or understand. For me to comprehend and understand that, that I would have to be as limitless, as powerful, as knowledgeable as him, or he would have to be as finite and limited as I am, and neither are going to happen. So I have an option. We have an option. We can deny that that is true about him, and he is who he says he is. We can ignore it like we often do, unfortunately, or we can marvel at our creator and realize that it affects us. Before we look at how his omnipresence affects us, let's look at scripture. Before anything was created, anyone existed, God's presence existed. Genesis 1, 1 through 2 says that God's presence hovered. King Solomon noted as the wisest man to have ever lived in 1 Kings says, even the highest heavens cannot contain you. Jeremiah 23 says, Who can hide in secret places so that I cannot see them, declares the Lord. Do I not fill the heavens and the earth? So if God fills the heavens and the earth, then does that mean that he's just this cosmic police officer wanting to catch us doing something wrong or this micromanaging uh, boss that just wants to control us and manipulate us? Neither are supported by scripture. Think of Adam and Eve. The moment that they sinned, they tried to hide. In Genesis 3, we hear God's response to their sin. He wasn't mad at them. He simply said, where are you? From the very beginning, our creator wants a relationship with his creation. He sought them out. He wanted to spend time with them. God's omnipresence speaks of his desire to be intimate, to be close, to be personal to you and I. Of all the major world religions, maybe you've never thought this before, but all the major world religions, Christianity is the only one whose creator God wants a relationship with his creation. Other demand reverence, other demand submission, but God wants 
and longs for a relationship with you. Each week we've read parts of Psalms 138. It's our foundation for our series. And I think it does the best job of summarizing God's omnipresence, his power, his knowledge. And I want to reread it. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open it up at this time. Psalms 139. We're going to read the first 18 verses. It's going to be up on the screen. Uh, While you're turning there, I came across a really uh, fun story that gives us a perspective through the child's eyes or a child's understanding of this omnipresence. It's kind of humorous, but a, a child and a mother were uh, coming home from uh, church one day, and the imam was asking the little boy, what did you learn today at church? And, and he was trying to describe it in his own way, and God's everywhere, and I don't understand it. And so he asked his mom, is God really everywhere? And the mom, confident in scripture, said, yes, son, God is everywhere. Kind of puzzled, he, he thought of a very clever question. He said, uh, well, then is God in my tummy? And uh, the mom, not quite sure about the theology, said, well, if, if he's everywhere, then I guess, yeah, he's, he's in your tummy. Well, then God wants a banana because I'm hungry. <laughs> so I don't know if that's right theology, but we're going to look at scripture here and see what, uh, see what it says. Psalms 139, 1 through 18. O Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go to the heaven, you are there. If I go to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me, the light to come around, uh, come around me to be night. Uh, But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is uh, marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I, have, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains, grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Some have thought, some have said, some might still be tempted to believe that God is impersonal, that he created the universe, he just set it into motion, and then he retracted him, uh, withdrew himself, that he doesn't care about the mundane of your life, that he doesn't care about spending time with you. God is personal, he loves you, he wants to be with you more than you realize. Let's quickly define what omnipresence is and is not. God is always present everywhere in the universe. God is wholly present everywhere in the universe at the same time. God is not like a substance spread out in a thin layer over the earth. All of him is right here. All of him is in Swaziland, in Valencia, and in Texas. All of him is everywhere at the same time. God is completely present at every point in the universe. 
God cannot be contained by space. We may, may think that God fills the entire universe and then just goes a bit beyond that. But God cannot be contained by space. He goes on and on and on. You cannot measure God. God is everywhere, but God is not in all things. Let me say it again. God is everywhere, but God is not in all things. The idea that God is in all things is called pantheism. The problem with pantheism that it re- is that it reduces God to a very impersonal force. God is very personal. You may remember this a, a, a few years ago. Someone bought a grilled cheese sandwich on eBay for $28,000 because it apparently had an imprint of Jesus. Are you kidding me? That's crazy. $28,000 for a grilled cheese sandwich? I can introduce them to Global Project and Kingdom Builders to spend $28,000. That's some deep theology. God is not in grilled cheese sandwiches. Put that on Twitter and in your book, Pastor Rob. That is good. That's going to get me lots more opportunities like this, I'll tell you that. Here's a convicting thought. Um, God is there even when we sin and mess up. Someone might ask then, does that mean that God participates in our sin? Think of this. God is not contaminated by observing our sin any more than the sun is contaminated by shining on the mud. The sobering truth is that God is present everywhere, even when we think no one is looking or no one will ever find out. Lastly, only God is omnipresent. Satan is not and cannot be omnipresent. While we see the effects of evil and selfishness all around us, Satan is not omnipresent. All created beings have limits. Think of the impossibility of the notion that, God, that Satan is omnipresent. Many people think of Satan as a junior God, able to do everything that God can do, just a little bit less. Either you're all-powerful or you're not. You cannot be 90% all-powerful, 60% all-knowing. <laughs> it's just absurd to think that Satan, it's just as crazy to think that Satan is everywhere. He is not. He is limited. He is a created being that is limited. I love what Marcus Rainsford says. Our poor feeble minds weary in contemplating truths like these, but they're resting places for our faith. Or as Charles Spurgeon, the famous 1800s preacher, kindly said, but firmly to a young skeptical student. Young man, allow me to give you a word of advice. Give the Lord credit for knowing things you'll never understand. So how does God's omnipresence affect you and me? How does the fact that he is everywhere all at the same time change our life? We're obvious, we obviously experience God's presence on a cosmic level. We're all subject to the laws of nature, how the universe was designed, But the Bible teaches us that we can experience God on a very personal, real way when our heart, our attention is attuned to his omnipresence. Psalms 145, 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on him. James 4, 8 says this, He challenges us to come near to God and he will come near to you. Psalms 34, 18 tells us that the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So then why don't we feel his presence more often? There's a man in the Bible named Jacob. He knew about God, 
But one night he had a revelation. He realized God's presence in his life for the very first time. This is the key verse. You might want to write it down. In Genesis 28, 16, says, When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was unaware of it. Literally and metaphorically, Jacob awoke and realized that God's presence was there. The fact was that God's presence was already there, but Jacob was just unaware of it. Think of this. Maybe some of you uh, knew your spouse for a very long time. You lived in the same proximity. You lived in the same city. You went to the same school. Maybe you even went to the same church, but you just were unaware of their presence. And the moment that you became aware of their presence, everything changed, hopefully for better. But you knew them for a long time. You just weren't aware that they were there. Uh, yesterday, I had the honor of marrying Aaron and Laura Bonema. Uh, congratulations when you guys watch this. But um, for nine months, they attended River Valley Church, and they didn't know each other were here. They ended up, I got permission to share this. Uh, they went on eHarmony, and they started this relationship. They connected. You laugh, older people. It's the way to do it these days. But um, they went on to eHarmony to develop this relationship, and uh, they found out they'd lived in the same city. They decided that they were going to meet up, and they picked, uh, let's say, let's go to church, and let's meet there. And when they told each other what church they went to, they realized that they went to the exact same church for nine months and never knew that each other existed. And the moment that they became aware of each other's presence, everything in their life changed. The fact is that God's presence has been here and has always been in your life. Are you aware? Do you want his presence? Do you want to feel his presence? Are you desperate for his presence? David, later in his life, would be described as the greatest king in Israel's history. As a young boy, in Psalms 27:4, he prayed this, the one thing I ask of the Lord, the one thing I seek most, is to live to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. If you and I had one request, would that be it? To be in God's presence. Did David know something we don't? Why was he so desperate to be in God's presence? What was it about God's presence that David wanted so bad? Perhaps he knew God's limitless power that was available. Perhaps he knew God's limitless wisdom and knowledge that we too, too often forget. On a certain level, I think we can recognize David's wisdom Think of tragedy or difficult times in your life in the past. You don't remember the words that people spoke, but you do remember the people that were present. Their presence was powerful. The best gift that you can give somebody going through tragedy is not clever words. It's just physically your presence saying, I'm with you. I'm going to stand beside you. I'm not going anywhere. Presence is powerful. As a young father, I've read books and I've gotten all kinds of advice and I keep hearing that the most important tool that I have as a father is my physical presence in Amelia's life. It's just physically being present. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to do things that I don't want to do. But being physically present is powerful. God's presence is powerful. There's some biblical examples of that, people that longed for God's presence. And when they got into God's presence, when they became aware of God's presence, it changed everything in their life in a moment. Matthew 9 tells us of a story of a woman who'd been sick for 12 years. 
she heard that there was a crowd of people coming by her home, and in that crowd was a man named Jesus. She fought through this crowd, pushing people away, and the moment she touched Jesus, she was healed. She was desperate. She had a resolve to touch Jesus. Do you and I have the same desperation and resolve to touch Jesus? Mark 2 talks about four friends of a paralyzed man who ripped through the roof of a home to lower their friend into the presence of Jesus. It didn't matter what it took. They knew that if they could only get their friend into God's presence, into Jesus' presence, he would be healed, and he was. Do you and I have the same desperation and compassion for our friends to get them into Jesus' presence so that they can be healed? There's other biblical examples of people that weren't in a crisis moment, but they regularly prioritize spending focused, aware, focused on God's presence every single day of their life. Moses, he often would go up to the mountaintop. David would get alone in a field. Joshua hid away in a tent. Daniel knelt by a window multiple times a day. Perhaps the most obvious example in Scripture is the 12 disciples who spent three years day and night with Jesus His presence changed them, and they changed the world. Their stories fill the world's most popular book, the Bible. One thing in common, they were all ordinary, simple, weak, flawed people that regularly prioritized time in God's presence. I know of a few modern-day examples in my own life. Pastor Darren, uh, last uh, first week one, talked about Dr. Cho. I've never personally met him but he pastors the world's largest church, 830,000 people. He said this very humbly, the reason I pray three hours a day is so that I do not forget the greatness of God. A mentor of mine that I had the opportunity of living with for 18 months, he and his wife, great business leaders, entrepreneurs who leverage all of their wealth to do missions work all around the world. Every single morning when I would wake up, I'd walk up the stairs And I'd see this man knelt beside a couch with a Bible open praying. I don't remember a single morning that he wasn't doing that when he was home. The president of the university that I attended in Texas, Dr. Gwines, literally trained thousands of Christian leaders who are now serving all around the world. I had many opportunities to talk with them, sit down with them, and connect with them. And although it wasn't weird, he was constantly in and out of prayer. He was constantly aware of God's presence and spending time with him. Dick Brogdon, a couple weeks ago, a missionary to unreached people groups, some of the most dangerous countries in the world, has decided that he's going to take one-tenth of his day and spend it with Jesus, reading scripture, praying, worshiping, memorizing, focusing on God. I believe God is using Dick Brogdon to change this world. I wonder what would happen if more of us regularly prioritized spending time focused on God's presence. So why is God's presence so important? Psalms 91, 1 through 2 answers the question this way. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God, and I trust him. In his presence, everything is made right. The confused find clarity, Hopeless, find hope. Weak are made strong. Lost are found. Broken are made whole. Sick are healed. Crushed are restored. Every wrong 
is made right. Because God is omnipresent, we always have access to hope, to love, to truth, to forgiveness, to healing, to wisdom, to direction, and so much more. We always have God's full attention. We don't have to make an appointment. He's not distracted by other people's problems. He is fully present with you. Scripture over and over and over says that he is near to his people. Hebrews 13.5 says, Never will I leave you, never will I abandon you. Matthew 28.20 says, Jesus promised, I am always with you. Deuteronomy 31.6, as Moses was ending the end of his life, nearing the end of his life, he reminded his people, be strong, be courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them, for the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. This is an odd illustration, but I love chocolate chip cookies and I often think about them. If chocolate chip cookies have the right ingredients, they don't have to work very hard at being perfect. They just have to be placed in the right environment, in the oven, and they come out perfect. I think some of us are working really, really hard at life and at this God thing. If we have the right ingredients, which is God, we just have to be placed in the right environment the right atmosphere, the right presence, which is God's presence. And he just does it right. So I have a confession. There are days that I prioritize everything but God's presence. As a pastor, as a Christian, I'm wrong for it, and it should not be. And then I come to church I remember how great God is and how great his presence feels. I want to be more like David, that longs for his presence. The one thing I seek, the one thing I long for is to dwell in your presence. I don't want to be like Jacob, who says, surely God's presence was here and I was unaware of it. Here's a crazy thought, but if God is fully present everywhere, And his presence is not greater here at church than when you wake up in the morning, when we drive to work, when we take a lunch break, when we drive home, when we go to the gym, when we're all alone. God's presence is just as available and just as powerful. Why do we feel it more here? Because we're more aware. Our hearts are tuned in to God. I want to leave us with a couple challenges. What would happen if we reprioritize the value of regularly spending time in God's presence at church? Not just fitting it in when we've got nothing else to do or if nothing conflicts with it, but says, more than anything, I am going to make coming to church so I can get in God's presence The number one priority is where hope is restored. It's where healing happens. 
getting in God's presence. And more than that, the second challenge is, is being like the four friends of the paralyzed man. So I'm going to do whatever it takes to get my friends here so that they can experience God's presence. Thirdly, I wonder what would happen if all of us became more of God's presence every morning we wake up, every night before we go to sleep, every moment of the day. We prioritized extravagant amounts of times focused on God's presence. Spending time in scripture, praying, worshiping, memorizing the words that he's spoken to us. Perhaps his presence would propel us to do greater things than we've ever done. And we could change this world in our generation. There's three billion people Three billion that have never heard the name of Jesus Christ once. They're just as lost as your friend, but they have no access. There's not a church, there's not a missionary, there's not a Christian. And by God's blessing, may He rise up River Valley Church to reach the unreached people so that they may know and experience the power and the presence of Jesus Christ in their life. you close your eyes and bow your heads? This whole series has really been a test of faith. Will you put your faith in an all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God, or are you going to try to do it on your own, all by yourself? Figure it all out, figure God all out, or are you just going to release and say, I trust you, God? I wonder if you would say, just by a raised hand and committing it in your heart, that I need to more regularly prioritize God's presence by coming to church. It's a simple step, but you've never made a deliberate decision to say, I am going to make it a huge priority in my life. Number one, I'm going to make it to church. I'm not going to put things before it, but I'm going to make it a regular priority. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and make a commitment in your heart, and I want to acknowledge it. Hands are going, yep, yes, right up here on the front, all over the place to my left, whole section there, over to the right, tons of hands going up. Pray that that is a commitment in your heart. Go ahead and put your hands down. Maybe you would... um, Say, I haven't had the desperation and the compassion like the friends of the paralyzed man to get my friends into Jesus' presence. But I need to. If that's you, if you want to just lift up your hand, make a commitment in your heart, I'm going to prioritize getting my friends whatever it takes to get them in God's presence so that they can be healed, so that they can be made whole. All kinds of hands. Praise God. And lastly, you can put your hands down. I have to raise my hand on this one. You need to prioritize being more aware of God's presence outside of church. 
every day of your life, when you wake up, when you go to sleep, when you're driving to work, when you're coming home, you say, I need to spend more time focused on God's presence in my life. If that's you, raise your hand. Just about the entire church. Wow. Praise God. You can put your hand down. I have one last uh, challenge. Some of you, maybe today was the first time that you realized God is personal. That he wants a relationship with you. If that's you, in a few moments, there's going to be some uh, prayer team members up front. And I'm going to ask you to come forward after service. And they're going to pray with you. And they're going to give you a book called Now What? Now that you've made a commitment to enter this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, what are your next steps? How do you live this out in a real practical way every day of your life? I encourage you, come forward. If you want to know Jesus Christ in a very real, personal way, come forward and the prayer team members are going to pray with you. Would you let me pray for you? Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your presence, your power, your wisdom available in our lives. God, help us to seal all of these commitments in our heart and make it a reality. As we walk out of here in every day of our life, may we be more aware of your presence in our life, that it would propel us to do greater things in this world than we've ever done before for your glory, for your honor. God, we will deflect all the credit to you. It's about you. It's for you. It's because of you. We love you, Jesus. In your powerful, mighty name we pray. Amen.